You're listening to She Time Podcast, Season 2, Episode 5, Becoming Anastasia Tarpe Ellis. Welcome to She Time, your me time destination featuring smart and fun conversations aimed at helping women to prioritize self-care. I'm your host, Alexandra Sampson, self-care advocate and founder of the She First Project. During this episode of She Time, I chat with Anastasia Tarpe Ellis. Anastasia is the community and product manager at Backstage Capital, a venture capital firm with a mission to provide early seed financing to underrepresented founders. In her role, she creates and manages internal programming that supports Backstage's portfolio companies. Now, if you're not familiar with Backstage Capital, I encourage you to do a Google search of the company and its founder, Arlen Hamilton. Arlen's story of going from homeless to building a company that has invested millions in the businesses of women, people of color, and LGBT founders is truly inspiring, and Anastasia and I will talk a bit about that during the episode. Anastasia is also co-founder of BOSA, a wellness and productivity app that empowers consultants to provide the highest level of service to their clients. We'll talk a bit about entrepreneurship, juggling a full-time position while establishing a startup company, and of course, prioritizing self-care in the midst of it all. Now, before we get into the episode, I hope you have a beverage in hand. We start every episode of She Time by chatting about what we're sipping on. And I'd actually like to invite you to share what you're sipping on. So feel free to comment below whether you're listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts, the Sheefer's website, or another podcast platform that allows for commenting. Share with me and our other listeners what you're sipping on. But Anastasia, let me start with you. What are you sipping on? (laughs) I actually have water right now, but it's definitely been a tea kind of day. So I had matcha green tea this morning. Um, yeah, so. Ah, uh, I like that. I'm a tea person, not coffee. I know most people on my team love coffee, so. Yeah, and I like kind of throwing in the what you had earlier in the day. We may have to adopt that as a part of the, you know, first question on the show. I'm also drinking water. I'm drinking fruit-infused water. So today my fruit of choice is clementine. So a little clementine. And the water kind of add a little bit of flavor to it and probably make it sound a little fancier than it really is. (laughs) (laughs) So, Anastasia, I wanted to start by um, having you just talk a little bit about your background. Um, You know, certainly we know that you are currently the community and product manager at Backstage Capital. I'm really excited to hear more about your role there and that you're also uh, the CEO of a health and wellness app that is in the works. And so, but before we dig into that, wanting to just talk a little bit about who is Anastasia? Yeah, so I'm actually, uh, I live in LA. I've been out here in the LA area for the past a little over six years now, Um, but I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, And yeah, I went to undergrad. Actually, my, the first school I went to was Rose Holman, and it's an engineering school. So I studied mechanical engineering for the first two years of my undergrad studies, um, but then quickly realized I don't have to be an engineer necessarily to save the world, which was my plan. Um, oh, nice. And then I uh, then I 
transferred to the University of Cincinnati, so I went back home, and I studied international affairs and Arabic language. Um, and then after that, moved out to California to uh, go to University of Southern California, and I got my master's in public policy. So that's sort of out here just kicking off my actual career versus internships only. So I started working for um, the Los, or yeah, city of Los Angeles and then moved into um, the Department of Water and Power here. And I was a budget analyst, or you can think of it like as an admin or management analyst position. So coupled with internships and full-time, I did almost four years of that. Um, and then within there as well, I had a um, internship or a fellowship for Grid One Pen. And I was their first um, program fellow um, in 2015. So that was my first foray into being a part of an accelerator or incubator of sorts um, within Los Angeles tech scene. That's how like my career path went and sort of what got me into tech today. A big aspect of that and just my upbringing, definitely my parents um, and my mom in particular, and sort of shaped my career and the, like, my academic studies is just they raised me to try everything, um, mm-hmm. give everything a first chance. And then also, like, if you don't like something, totally fine, but you have to stick with a commitment that you set up. Um, but after that, then you can uh, change your mind and learn from that experience and figure out what's for you. So I think I definitely have applied that to you know, what I went to school for and changing my degrees and then moving across the country and, you know, always being able to know, like, one, I can go home if anything happens. And two, the worst is I just find out that something isn't for me and then I give something else a try. So I definitely practice that today, Um, not seeing different choices necessarily as end-all, be-all or being stuck in a box. But, you know, essentially the, the tool and and tech specifically is like the ability to pivot and be flexible. So I think my parents taught me that with, without the lens of tech, you know, but it it really does play a big role into how I've shaped my career to date. Yeah. I really like that one, you know, just try, try things and having the encouragement to do that. I I know I'm actually a very, by nature, probably a play it safe person, (laughs) which is to just kind of go for the things that, you know, make sense or, um, but I like the, the impetus to just try, try things and to be encouraged to do that. And then, and then making a commitment, you know, when you make, commit to something, sticking to it and um, giving it your all. Those are really definitely lifelong things. Um, I think that would apply to anyone to stick to. So you talked a little bit about having kind of the engineering background and then um, moving into the budget analyst realm. And now you're currently in kind of the venture capital space. Um, how did you kind of segue into your current role? Yeah, I think um I think I was telling someone else this recently, just throughout my life and like education and internship experiences specifically, when I go to like an employer, they'll say, oh, well, how did X, Y, Z, like how did you get to Z based on your, you know, A, B, and C points of experience? And to them, it usually looks totally random or like I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) I probably didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I've definitely got to say there's just been a major thread um, 
of experiences and the basis of them that got me to where I am now. I, I will definitely say, even though I spent two years in engineering school, just the basics of, you know, your physics, your advanced, like, calculus and that sort of thing, chemistry, um, I think all of those shaped my brain, and maybe that's just how I, how I think. Um, so when I became an analyst, you know, obviously still having some analytical skills that can go along with, you know, coming from engineering studies. And then now being into tech, it's still just, you know, problem solving, like how do you do due diligence on something? How do you assess the situation? And I think the whole entire time um, throughout my career, I've been using those skills just in different um, different fields. Mm-hmm. And so definitely think just looking back over the years, you know, especially different internships that were like in a nonprofit space or just international relations or international development space that I had. I was still using the same X plus Y equals whatever, you know, just like formulaic, but still having sort of that qualitative aspect, being flexible um, and sort of marrying both sides of my brain to get the desired outcomes that I needed for work. That's good. And it's actually a good segue into um, one of the next kind of questions or topics that I have. So you currently work with Backstage Capital. And for those who are listening, who, who's not familiar with Backstage Capital, I want you to pause this episode right now and go Google <laughs> the company. But um, yeah. the Backstage <laughs> Capital is a venture venture capital firm that is, as I would, I would describe it as just literally taking the world really by storm with just a unique focus on investing in venture capital deals that are essentially for underrepresented groups, women, people of color, LGBT founders. And um, I think it's it's been certainly, I think, refreshing and a much needed kind of area to focus on and to really support businesses that have underrepresented founders. And um, so I'm just curious to know what is it like to work for Backstage Capital and particularly to work with Arlen? Hamilton, the founder. For sure. Um, working at Backstage really can't be put into words. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> nothing short of amazing. I've been joking with my crew members, fellow crew members, we call our, our team crew. Uh, everything we have is sort of, mu- all our terms are music related or entertainment related. So crew thinking of the folks who, you know, set up and tear down a stage or something like that at a, at a concert. Um, I've been joking with them pretty much maybe since September that every, almost every day or every week, I'm on the verge of happy tears at backstage. It's just been phenomenal um, working not only just with my teammates, but excuse me, my, all the headliners as well. And headliners are companies um, that we've invested in. So our portfolio companies, they are just, second to none. Um, And again, those are the founders that other folks wanted to count out. They didn't want to give them time of day or they asked them ridiculous questions when they're going to fundraise. And, you know, we've invested in amazing companies um, that other people just have overlooked. So we're not underdogs by any, you know, any measure, but we definitely have been underestimated. And I think that comes from um, not only our portfolio companies being underestimated, but our crew as well. You know, we have a very diverse staff. We always talk about grit, like people who've shown grit throughout their whole entire career. 
So when I go to work every day, I get to work with the best of the best, the people who fought tooth and nail to be where they are, you know, people from like different socioeconomic backgrounds, different education backgrounds, um, they different ethnicities as well, orientation, sexual orientation. It's just a utopia, so to speak, when I get to go to work. I get to work with the best people. I get to work with the most diverse venture capital firm in probably the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the same thing applies to our portfolio companies. Um, with the work that I do um, as community and product manager, I get to support a lot of the internal programming that we um, support our headliners with. And so I get to interface with them pretty regularly and learn how their businesses are doing, just talk to them, getting to know them as people. And we also share internally all of the wins or any news about them, um, any upcoming fundraising round that they've secured as well. Just hearing them and being with them through their entire journey is an honor, first of all, and a privilege. I really can't imagine getting that experience anywhere else. And as far as working with Arlen, I I started working full-time for Backstage in April, this April, and shortly after that, I was requested to travel with her for a few weeks, and it turned into like a whirlwind Euro tour. (laughs) I went from LA, uh, stopped in Montreal briefly for a conference, then went to London, Berlin, um, Malmo, Sweden, and then head back to the uh, United States um, through an event in New York and back to LA. Mm. So that was like (laughs) almost, yeah, I had just started. Like I only been at work for like a month, month and a half at that point. Again, a lot of logistics going to different events, but most importantly, you know, to your question, just like actually working day to day with Arlen as she's traveling all over the world. I had no idea that was coming and it was, probably the greatest surprise and greatest reward mm-hmm. um, when we're when you're I guess most people admire her from afar and it's like oh my gosh there's this person there's a celebrity I still think I feel that even though I work with her <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but seeing her operate at different events answering questions how she manages crowds afterwards um, is just a sight to see so that's something I shared recently with the rest of our team I told them, I'm like, if you have a chance to travel with Ireland, even if it was just for like three to four days for a couple of events, take the opportunity. And I can only imagine what it would it would be like to work with her, you know, from a day to day perspective, but just to, to kind of watch her process. And um, I know that I was, you know, personally inspired by her story and I will probably try to tell a little bit of it um, just from, from, from kind of article and news resources that I've read, but um, the fact that she went from essentially having this idea for of Backstage Capital, but at the time needing additional resources to invest in it, and um, at least also at the time um, being homeless, you know, and, and having the ability to go from that place, but to not give up on the vision and the dream that she saw to create this venture capital firm that would support and help you know, ignite the the ideas and dreams of others. 
and um, the fact that she didn't let that go. And and today she has, you know, a multimillion dollar venture capital firm to show for it. And I think it's just an incredible story and an incredible reminder to to not give up on your dreams and that if there is something that you're really passionate about, um, if you have, uh, you know, a cause or um, an, a, a business, an idea, whatever it is that um, you want to pursue, that, you know, there, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, and so I can only imagine that that would probably seep through from a day-to-day -day perspective. Oh, yes, it, it does. We're very scrappy team. Uh, like I said, we have a lot of grit. Um, I think for sure her tenacity or perseverance permeates our entire crew and we know everything that we're literally fighting for day to day, you know, fighting for um, the success of our, of our headliners, you know, success of our team, each other, supporting each other. And yeah, we, we don't have a losing attitude for sure. Like we're definitely like to win, we're there to win and there to do everything that we can to do so and support each other in that journey. Um, and because she fights so hard for us and our company and the portfolio companies that we have, you know, we do the same for each other and, and hopefully we lift her up as well and inspire her. Um, so it's a two way street for sure, but definitely she sets that vision and that tone of just, you know, by all means necessary. Awesome. So I want to talk a bit about, your own um, venture and, and efforts. Before I do, I wanted to ask just for listeners who may not be familiar with venture capital firms and how they operate and kind of what purpose they, they kind of serve. Could you give us just a quick high level overview of, of what venture capital firms in general or even, you know, specific to backstage capital, um, what they do and kind of advancing the efforts of, of founders of various companies? Sure. Uh, I'll just take it in general. I mean, venture capital is a funding vehicle um, to invest in usually traditionally tech startups or technology startups or tech-enabled startups, uh, tech-enabled thinking of like e-commerce. So if there's a shop or a different physical products that are being sold online, you know, usually they have a website. So that's more so tech-enabled. Um, but what how the funding happens our, or fills that funding vehicle is what you have are limited partners and limited partners are people who invest you know whatever amount that they can into a fund um, and then that fund has a goal of raising for example you know five million dollars um, and you get enough LPs to commit you know as you know as a whole or aggregate to five million dollars you can always oversubscribe if you'd like, you know, go over $5 million, depending on the terms. And so what the venture capital firm does, it, it takes all of the money that was raised by those limited partners or LPs or raised from them um, and then disperses the funds into checks to companies that are up and coming. Sometimes you can invest in early stage companies like we do at Backstage or you can invest in companies that are raising their Series A, meaning much larger rounds could be tens of millions, hundreds of millions, depending on the cap that the company has decided to set. Um, and then once the company has a liquidity event, so they might IPO or have an initial public offering, or they may exit, meaning they could be purchased by a larger organization or another company, 
or acquired, meaning they were purchased by another company, but also staying on to continue to work on the business. But when you have that liquidity event, that's when the people who are running the venture capital firm and the limited partners get their return on investment so that they get 1x plus their money back, hopefully. <laughs> so, <Nice. laughs> um, and so, yeah, via, uh, venture capital firms are just a vehicle for people to put their money into and then have it be managed by somebody else. And then, of course, you can have, you can make investments on your own, and that would essentially make you an angel investor, but think of it as a way to diversify your investments. So you could write checks on your own, but you can also give, you know, a certain amount of money to a venture capital firm to manage for you, just like you would have your own financial manager, manager, mutual fund or something like that. Right. I want to get into um, your venture first, because I think this is really cool. And I'm excited to hear you talk about it with our listeners. But you're the CEO and co-founder of a health and wellness app named BOSA. I wanted to, to have you just talk a little bit about um, what the app is and where you are currently in the development process. Sure. Um, so BOSA is essentially a service that automatically and accurately captures important actions and takeaways from your meeting, but in real time. Um, and so we're hoping to achieve and solve an issue and pain point for consultants and freelancers who may have a lot of client meetings, especially in person, um, but they don't want to they don't want to be distracted from being engaging with their clients. Right? They want to make sure that they're providing you know, the best service that they can to their clients, but then they need a tool to do that. And right now, those tools are other note-taking apps or, you know, like an Evernote or just your notes or just typing on your computer or cell phone. Mm -hmm. um, but those distract you from actually, you know, having eye contact and, you know, reading the room and, and figuring out how your client is feeling and just, you know, really distracting from the experience as well from the client side, you know, is that person listening to me? Are they even out looking out for my needs or I'm repeating myself to them all the time because they're missing taking notes or what have you. So the flow of the meeting can be broken up and the client can kind of feel neglected as well. Um, and so we are using some voice technologies to sort of build that. Um, and yeah, and so right now we are, we just launched like our full site before we had a couple of landing pages um, before and yeah, our new site is live, and you can check it out at bosa.life. So b o s a. dot l i f e. Um, and so we are actually taking signups for beta waitlist right now. So go ahead, check it out, sign up, and we'll be opening up um, the beta, you know, periodically, and allowing more people to participate. Nice. Um... So I think that is just an awesome um, idea. And my kind of default method of taking notes during meetings is typically my notepad because mm -hmm. um, I, I, I no, I'll say I kind of alternate between the notepad and my laptop, typically, depending on, you know, the meeting and so forth. And if I'm in a group meeting as opposed to, you know, taking a call from my office, um, Etc. But I can completely relate to there have been a number of meetings that I would rather not take notes and I would rather engage in the dialogue and kind of kind of right. help to move it along or to be able to respond 
to questions thoughtfully or really think about issues, but you have that juggle of, okay, well, I'm listening in one ear and I'm capturing this note with the other and I want to make sure I don't miss anything or forget anything that I'm going to need to reference when I'm leaving, you know, after the meeting. And so I, I can see and I have experienced how that does in some ways change the dynamic of the meeting and it also changes the level of interaction that I'm able to offer, you know, doing it during the meeting. Um, so this is, I'm really excited about, about this. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I, yeah. We've talked to a lot of people and folks are excited. Now it's just building fast enough. My, my co-founder and I, you know, we both work full time and have been under a few pivots now with the business. So, um, I just wanted to highlight another element about that as well is, you know, this whole thing is about wellness and self-care. You know, my co-founder and I, we were you know, early in our careers, you know, doing different side projects, you know, building our own app and company on the side as well. And we would have meetings or we'd talk with other clients and things like that. And we needed this tool for ourselves. But really it started before is trying to tackle burnout um, mm. and alleviating all of like those follow-up tasks, like you're saying, I need to remember something afterwards. I need to schedule, you know, the follow-up meeting. I need to send the follow-up email to, to the client or whoever attended the meeting, things like that. But how do we alleviate, um, alleviate those items for you um, and give you more time for yourself, give you more time to take care of yourself. So I think with, especially like our competitors and things like that, like we're really focused on the wellness aspect of this app and not just being plainly productivity, you know what I mean? So uh, making sure that what we're doing is actually helping the whole human um, and not just work for work's sake or work for efficiency's sake, but work to actually, you know, be efficient in order to be more well and take care of yourself. Yeah. And that is that is so important. And I'm curious to know, so in terms of BOSA being a tool um, to capture kind of notes or takeaways or next steps, is it kind of something that you would set almost like a, you know, recorder during a meeting and it kind of captures things and it runs in the background? Like how would it, I guess, work um, practically yeah. speaking? Yeah, so we have a wonderful, elegant demo on our, on our was. site right now. <laughs> so I wanted to describe Go to bosa.life. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, right now, it's, um, and this also plays into how we approach this product with wellness in mind. Um, right now, you can just click a start button and record during your meeting, like you mentioned, and then you press stop recording and it's done. Um, and then a email will be sent to you with just the high level action items, you know, for you to act on and, and follow up with your clients or whatever you need to do for your business. Um, so a lot of companies have like crazy dashboards and wonky interfaces. I mean, eventually maybe get there as we build out more and more features, but really trying to have an elegant um, UI and a very frictionless, uh, sorry, user interface and a very frictionless user experience or UX and making sure that, yes, you're using a productivity tool, but on the wellness side, making sure when you're using the tool, you're not stressed when using it. Right. Um, something that's easy, easy to integrate, you know, start and stop like normal. That's usually within our, excuse me, <coughs> regular practices. <clears throat> so it's not an additional um, activity to learn as far as using the app itself. Right. 
Yes, user-friendly is the way, <laughs> way to go. Um, well, I'm, I'm excited to, um, you know, as soon as we wrap, I'm going to go on to Bosa.life and see how I can get in the queue to be one of the beta testers <laughs> for this because Yay, I, can, I can certainly <laughs> see how, um, again, one, it kind of saves some time and to the extent that you can save more time, that's time you can put elsewhere. And I think it also plays into, and I think you might have mentioned this confidence building, you know, I think the, the confidence that you're able to demonstrate while you're physically present in the meeting, and then also kind of those feelings of, of confidence when you're done and, and knowing, okay, I, I've captured and I have everything I need to be able to move forward and kind of move this project or matter to the next kind of step or stage. So, um, so I'm really excited about that. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. That's like music to my ears yeah. between launching the site recently <laughs> and then talking to you and other folks. It's just, yeah, it's been a long journey for one. So I'm excited when anyone says anything positive. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to hone in on something that you mentioned, which is that, you know, of course you work full time and you're also building and launching this app. Um, how are you managing your time to be able to do both. And I think there's so many people now, you know, currently and in, in kind of the in modern day that have full-time careers, but also have, you know, other interests that they're exploring or passion projects or, you know, second careers. And so I think it's, you know, extremely relevant right now to hear, you know, as many tips <laughs> as possible about how are people doing it successfully. Yeah, I think um, just thinking about it briefly right now, I, and maybe what I could contribute the balance to most is just so many tools out there that can be used, like for note taking. Like if you want to do documents on the go and jotting down your thoughts as you're just building out your business, or um, there's different products out there as well. If you want to incorporate your business, they kind of do that in a package for you now. So a lot of things that took you know, extensive amount of time before or you needed to be at a desktop computer to do before, you know, mobile came out, you can kind of do those things on the go um, and just really piecemeal the build, the building blocks of your company um, and get it spun up, get it built um, as, you know, as far as, um, yeah, it just doesn't take a lot of time like it used to. Same thing with if you need a website, there's a ton of website um, building resources out there that pretty much take care of all of the design for you. Um, for example, I'm not necessarily, you know, again, I only went to engineering school for a couple of years. I'm not like the most tech savvy person, but yeah, I'm really good at researching. Um, and so just researching the needs of my business with my co-founder and figuring out, okay, is this tool going to optimize what we want to do? Um, you know, can we find something out there that can do the heavy lifting for us? That's been a big focus for us. And then as well, with both my co-founder and myself having full-time jobs, we're just very strategic on how we use our energy. Um, again, finding the right tools, you know, if you have to talk with people and, you know, talk with customers or other subject matter, matter experts, doing that on the weekends or on the evenings. Um, and we also use Slack. Slack is a huge tool. So that's a way for me to talk to my co-founder without having to necessarily set up an additional meeting all of the time to, to chat with him. 
Um, so just finding workarounds for our schedule. Um, my, I'm married and my co-founder is married as well. So we still have a lot of home life to balance mm-hmm. also. Um, <clears throat> so that's a really huge, really huge deal. You know, making sure your spouse is okay. Like they have their careers, making sure they're supported. Um, but also I think what's helpful as well as at least for me just sharing my vision with my spouse and like this is something I want to work on um it may require a little extra time is that okay like when do you have work going on or commitments that we need to attend together so I can schedule those out plan around it when I need to get work done for my business outside of um, my full-time job work hours and just go from there I think just um one thing I think for sure has helped us a ton. We set some visions, vision statements and mission statements and some goals mm-hmm. around how we want to operate and what we want BOSA to be. And so we, we as in my, myself and my co-founder, we just try and operate within those parameters. Like, is this going to get us to where we need to go? If not, you don't focus on that at the moment or, you know, add it to the product roadmap. Like, what is the, you know, the most necessary part of what we need to do at at this time? And, you know, even though it may seem like there's a balance, there may not be a true balance, Mm -hmm. but, you know, neither one of us could afford to not work full-time right now. So I think we got a lot of flack from people saying, like, oh, you're not serious about what you're building because you're not doing it full-time. You didn't just jump ship from your full-time job. Um, we don't have that privilege at the moment. So that's not something that we can operate in. Also, you want to make sure that what you're building is viable. Um, not saying we don't believe in ourselves. We want to make sure that it has legs, you know, it's profitable, can generate some revenue. People are interested in using the product, things like that. We've had to work out a lot of technical issues, you know, more and more voice technology has come out just within the last like just this year um, that has really helped us build our business specifically because we have that aspect to it. Um, And so just sticking with it, plugging along, um, that's what's really helped us. And actually my um, manager at work, Christy Pitts, shout out to Christy. She was on one of our headliners um, Instagram live sort of podcasting yesterday that was with Don Dixon of Popcom. And Christy dropped an amazing line. I'll try to paraphrase it a little bit, but a lot of, she said, a lot of businesses don't necessarily give up because of funding. They give up because of faith. Mm. And so you just have to have the faith to stick to it, have the faith to find your balance with full-time work or, you know, your projects outside of work um, and just know your goals. I think that's what it really comes down to. You know, your goals, have your vision. Um, and again, by all means necessary. Yeah. Well, I can say that it's it's certainly inspiring to see um, you continuing to pursue your dream while you work full time. Because I think sometimes it can um, be tempting to believe that, and as you suggested, that you have to just kind of jump ship and go in wholeheartedly. Um, for whatever it is that you're working on. I think that's definitely an approach, but sometimes that's not the approach for everyone. And so it's good to know, and I, and I, and I love it when there are examples of kind of other approaches. And I think this is definitely another one, which is 
it is possible to maintain, you know, a full-time career and also build something else in addition to it in that, um, and I think as we have and see more examples of that, I think it inspires more people to, you know, feel confident about doing the same. Right. And I think now, too, it's becoming, like you're saying, those examples are coming up more and more. Um, and I think as far as thinking about venture capital specifically, um, we're talking about underestimated founders or founders who don't necessarily come from wealthy backgrounds or, you know, found out what venture capital was two years ago. Like there's some oftentimes lack of privilege or lack of funding or lack of what have you um, that doesn't necessarily level the playing field. And so you're like, oh, well, there aren't any um, like black founders. There's a pipeline problem. No, there isn't a pipeline problem. You're just not necessarily hearing about them or they weren't funded in the traditional ways that VC quantifies. So when, you know, you talk about funding, um, availability. Yeah, there's venture capital fund, there's, you know, series A and all of that. But then there are funding mechanisms earlier, like loans or grants, or the big one is um, friends and family. But what happens when you don't have friends and family to collectively give you 50k, like right. you have to make it work <laughs> on your own. So that's not the only route that a company can take to become successful. And I think we're hearing um, those different avenues be explained more and more and mm -hmm. you know founder stories like our founder stories at backstage like how they got started um, how they sustain their businesses and then myself I have to keep working full-time I don't necessarily have um, friends and family to raise from and if I did I want to be very cautious about that because you know my community isn't well funded it's like no one's sitting on a trust fund right now Right. Um, that I know it. So <laughs> I should like, find if, out. If you are, if you are, um, reach out. <laughs> exactly. So with, for me, you know, funding my business is just bootstrapping. And then bootstrapping also didn't mean I had 100K sitting around of my own money. Like, no, I have to earn my money as I go at this moment. And so I have to, you know, build slowly or build accordingly. Yeah. So um, I think this is a good segue into um, a, a bit more discussion on self-care. And so I'm curious to know um, what does self-care mean to you? And, and then if you could describe, certainly among the busyness that we just talked about, you know, how do you maintain or practice um, self-care on a daily or just kind of regularly occurring basis? Oh, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I probably practice it as much as I could have maybe until the past couple of years for real for real <laughs> let's be honest um <laughs> I remember getting out of like finishing grad school and my husband says to me he's like all right you're not gonna be in school anymore you need to like cut down the activity so you're not so busy I was like I know I know <laughs> and I promised him but of course I filled <laughs> up my calendar somehow because that's just you know always into something um but that made me realize, like, yes, I do need to figure out and, and scale things back um, so that I'm not overbooked and running around town and all that sort of thing just to get stuff done. So I think with that, you know, again, setting goals, like what am I really out to achieve? You know, if, if going to an event is really a part of me achieving a goal, then, you know, I'll consider going. But if not, I mean, I need to go to that one. 
so really just more so practicing mindfulness has been um, maybe a self-care tip, especially out of grad school and just transitioning into my career and how I manage my calendar. And then um, on top of that, I'm an introvert, so I sort of can do that a little bit anyway, but I don't want to (laughs) go. So I try and, um, yeah, balance all that with mindfulness, again, alongside my goals. And if I need to physically be somewhere um, as far as like my calendar. Another thing that I do and I've gotten more into now, something I love to do is just skincare. Mm. And so that's been sort of not even a guilty pleasure. Like I just, you know, like to take care of my face for some strange reason, like the actual health of my skin. Yeah, that's important. I'm with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I'm in my my 20s. I got to maintain that. So I want to make sure that I'm being healthy inside and out. And yeah, just not um, diminishing the need for that if that's how I want to take care of myself and not saying, oh, I don't deserve getting a facial, Mm -hmm, you know what I'm saying? Or I need mm -hmm. to make sure I actively save up if I want to get a facial or a special skincare product. So not pushing it to the side and and delaying gratification unnecessarily, you know? Um, Yeah, just really trying to take care of myself on, on that front. So skincare products, all that sort of thing, definitely into the whole, like massages, any spa stuff is like my go-to yeah. uh, that I that I do, but still not as often as I would like to. Definitely still more on the rare occasion. And then this year I told myself as well that I'd like to travel more uh, for work and for personal travel. Yeah. So that, that's been an active effort. I've been to a lot more places this year than I ever planned for, imagined. So I'm on a roll on that front. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, traveling has been a big goal this year. Skincare and spa stuff in general are like my go-tos. And again, just always, yeah, minding the calendar yeah. and making sure it's not overbooked. Yeah, I think definitely um, protecting the calendar is um, probably a self-care tip that so many of us could um could stand to, you know, really practice, me included. Um, I know that's something that I, and I think it goes towards boundaries and establishing healthy boundaries, yes. Um, yes. which, you know, boundaries at work, boundaries, boundaries, you know, with respect to casual or, you know, um, family relationships. But I think that kind of all flows into being able to protect the calendar. And I was talking to someone recently about, about, uh, you know, the topic of, of being too busy and needing to establish those boundaries, but then also kind of how the um, saying yes too quickly um, can, you know, kind of a, a play into that. And we kind of come up with this um, thought process of, you know, maybe the answer is not to say no to everything, but to spend more time, you know, with responses like, okay, that sounds interesting. Let me, can I get back to you? Just really just giving yourself some time and space to decide, you know, how does it align with other things that you have going on or other priorities? And then to, you know, kind of think about should it make its way onto the calendar. So um, (laughs) I think as we, you know, work to protect the calendar a bit more, that's a tool that I'm starting to use. I think I'm better about that kind of in my personal life than I am with respect to career or work-related things. But 
I, you know, nothing's ever really perfect. So, (laughs) right. Work in progress all the time. It's a journey, you know, so can't be too hard on ourselves. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So as we wrap here this season, I have incorporated kind of a, a final statement, if you will, as we think about, you know, who we're becoming. And so I would like for you to finish this sentence. Okay. Anastasia Tarpe Ellis is becoming fill in the blank. Oh, goodness. Hmm. So many things I'm working on. <laughs> so I will, I will say this in full statement. So this can be sort of like a mantra. Yeah. Like that for the affirmations list. Yes. So Anastasia Tarpe Ellis is becoming a strong, confident, successful CEO and magical black woman. Mm, I like that. That's a good one. (laughs) Well, this has been so fun and I'm so glad that we had a chance to chat. And um, before we wrap, can you please tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. And Instagram, more so just personal. I like to take pictures, but still doing some, uh, posting some backstage stuff there more recently. And then Twitter is definitely all backstage all the time. So <laughs> take your pic. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you might, you might get inundated. Um, but my handle for both platforms is Sonate. It's S-O-N-O-N-T-E. All right. And then we plugged the website earlier for BOSA. So BOSA.life is where the listeners can go to check out and learn more about the app. Yeah. Well, thanks again for being on She Time. And I can't wait to see where BOSA goes and um, everything else that you will continue to work on. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for your time and yeah, being interested in interviewing me, I really take it as an honor. So I really appreciate it. Oh, well, we're happy to have you as a guest on the show. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to She Time. Be sure to visit shefirstproject.org backslash podcast to access the show notes for today's episode. Also, don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice to subscribe, rate, and review the show. And sharing is caring, so feel free to share this episode with a friend. I love connecting with our listeners and members of the She First tribe, so be sure to like and follow the She First Project on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching She First Project. And if you have any suggestions for topics or guests you'd like to see featured on the show, please reach out to us at admin, A-D-M-I-N, at shefirstproject.org. Well, I can't wait for you to join me back here next week for another episode of She Time. Until then, take care.